0: belly
1: and the fish belly belly
0: and the fish welcome friends to belly and the fish i'm your host corbin aka the fish and we got big old ben belly smokes hunter
2: another fantastic monday to talk about the best team in the league
0: damn straight we rollin no, that's not a lie. We officially are the best team in the NFL. Tied for first place 5-1, and one, Bell. We're not just saying it anymore. It's a fact. Sure. Can't even refute it. We also got our special guest slash co-host, Jonathan, a.k.a. Hip Boy. How we doing, John?
1: <laughs> I've been upgraded to slash co-host. All right, let's go. Progress. Like Lions, 5-1. and 5-1. and one. Uh, It's good. Feeling good. It hurts good man my my handicap is going up though corbin so uh you're not getting so many strokes coming blood bath time a bit less than 30 watch out (laughs) yeah you're gonna get like 18 instead of 22 or whatever
0: it's fine by me i'll persevere bring it on and our guest for this week a repeat
3: matt burns is
0: back how we doing matt thanks for joining us
3: Doing great. Just got back from the Tampa Bay airport this morning. Uh, Tried to collect as much information as I could for you, Corbin.
0: Nice. We need some inside intel. So who went to the game? Was it just you and your dad? Did you just go for vacation or just really for the game?
3: Uh, We we were trying to plan around the same time I was trying to coordinate with you. uh, My dad was trying to get us to a game. He wasn't as interested in making it all the way up to Detroit, so he's down in Florida, so we we settled for Tampa, but it was a good matchup.
0: Nice. And uh, you didn't hear any cannon fire then, huh? I think they only do it for touchdowns, and no touchdowns this game for you the know, Bucks. You
3: know, they did fire the cannons on field goals.
0: Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Oh, well, they need some excuse to let some balls loose. So the creamsicle game, huh? I saw that they were all kind of decked out for that. You were sporting that nice orange Bucks bucket hat, too. So you got some swag.
3: It's always nice to get some free swag. Yeah, from my understanding, you know, we were we tapped into the post-game show, um, their radio show after the game, and it, it sounds like this was the, the most important game to them of the season. Um, and, boy, they were... All the callers were pissed off with the amount of Lions fans down there in Tampa.
0: Yeah, I believe it. It was like that Thursday night Packers game too. We just took over the stands afterwards. That's how it was for me last year. When we went to Lambeau, we kind of took over and it carried into this year. So seems like these away game, you know, Detroit takeover, it's going to be a thing.
3: Yeah. There was a lot of comments about Detroit doesn't travel. Well, um, And then, you know, the flip side of that, you know, we're just not known to be a team that travels very well, I guess. You know, I think people think about Packers, and I even heard Bears travel well, but as depressed as we've been for the last however many years, you know, I think everyone's just excited to get behind the team.
0: I think that there's just so many fans out there who, you know, are fair weather fans, but Detroit has a lot of fans. They just don't let it you know, they don't make it well-known. But now with Dan Campbell and this team that we've assembled, everyone's coming out of the woodwork. Everyone wants to be a fan, and that's fine. Like, I welcome everybody onto the bandwagon. I'll stick with them through thick and thin. If you want to be here for the good time, so be it. But that's fine by me. It just, you know, makes it easier for us in these away situations when we're going into enemy territory, and especially the creamsicle game, too.
3: It, it felt really, walking around down there, it, it seemed like a 50-50 split with Lions fans and Tampa fans. There was a lot of talk about Tampa fans just selling out, selling all their tickets. I guess um, last year when they had um, Tom Brady still, um, the team made season ticket holders buy for two seasons so that they weren't just coming to see Tom Brady. So it seemed like a lot of the season ticket holders uh, just sold all their tickets to Lions fans.
0: Yeah, we took over like half the stadium. Did you stick stick around for uh, the post-game celebration? Like, did you go down there? I saw there was a bunch no, of...
3: No, I wish we would have, but I was, I was with my dad. He was trying to get out of there. So um, we, we heard him, that's for sure. We heard him, but we didn't stick around too late. Yeah, I don't blame
0: so, you. After a long game, you kind of just want to get out of there. And I mean, it wasn't exactly the most exciting game, I guess. I mean, not a lot of points scored in this one. I mean... When you look at like the offensive stats, I mean, you would have thought that you know we would have scored thirty points on them, but we really didn't have much of a run game going. We had a couple of nice touchdowns, so that was cool to see. But a lot of field goals in this one—it's kind of a defensive slugfest.
3: Yeah, I, I think a lot of people expected a lot of points to be put up, but that Tampa Bay defense—they were solid, and Detroit continued to play well. Well, let's get
0: into it here. We'll break down the game lions going to tampa bay opened up as three and a half point favorites it closed at three so the bucks got a little bit of love there final score lions 20 buccaneers six and we'll start with our offense here jared goff is the alpha and the omega of this team it starts and ends with him probably played his best game as a passer this entire season i mean he's just kind of gotten by you know very efficient. You know, has to move the chains when he can. He'll throw a touchdown a couple of times. You know, has, keeps it pretty clean, minimizes turnovers. But this offense really goes through our run game and our offensive line. And pretty early on in the game, David Montgomery went down with a uh, a rib cartilage injury. So when I saw that, I was a little bit nervous on how this offense is going to run without you know Jameer Gibbs or David Montgomery in this game. We had to turn to Craig Reynolds to lead the charge. So first half was a little bit rough we did put some points up on the board and I mean Jared Goff just put the team on his back you know in the second quarter he killed it you know he had over 350 yards for I think his first time this year two touchdowns pretty nice completion percentage and third and fourth down is where he really made his money 10 for 14 on third and fourth down in the second half for 176 yards and two touchdowns so he just stepped up to the uh when we really needed him to. We didn't really have much else, so he just had to like I said put the team on his back and he is really off to just a historic pace right now. In his last 17 games, I saw this stat today that which is, you know, the equivalent of a full NFL season. He has a 67.6% completion percentage. 4,473 passing yards, 29 touchdowns, and four interceptions. So it's not like he's putting up 50 touchdowns a season or anything like that, but he's just playing very consistent and very efficient football, and the Lions are 13-4 and in that stretch. So hats off to Jared Goff. You know, he's been nice. You know, we haven't really had anything bad to say about him, but this is a game where he finally took over, and a lot of his critics are saying, like, yeah, like he's not going to win you games, but he's not going to lose you the games either. This is a game that he won for us, so I'm happy to see that.
1: Demo went out and Goff stepped up. Same with Craig Reynolds, though, too. Craig Reynolds, man.
3: It was definitely tough sledding in the run game. I mean, you probably have the yard. I don't think Craig Reynolds got past 50 yards. Uh, I just think that the Tampa defense was good. I know uh, Elijah Cancy, I think we... We're kind of thinking maybe he might come our way in the draft. He was disruptive in the game. I think Goff just had, had plenty of time to throw the ball. I mean, we had fans right behind us complaining that Baker had people on him in you know two seconds, whereas Goff seemed to have plenty of time to sit back there and, and make throws. And Tampa's offensive line, they're no slouches either. I mean, they got some good guys
0: there, starting with Tristan Wirfs. I think Ryan Jensen's still there at center too. So, I mean, they couldn't run the ball at all on us. And, yeah, like you said, I mean – even with that kind of quick short passing game that the Bucks tried to implement against our defense, I mean, we had no problem getting pressure on them. But I still don't think it was really our offensive line's best performance either. In pass protection, we were nice. We gave up three sacks. But when it comes to running the ball, I mean, there just wasn't a lot there. And I don't know if you could put it all on Craig Reynolds. Because, you know, he was getting hit at the line of scrimmage every single time. And he's no David Montgomery. So when you're down our two biggest playmakers at running back, I mean, Craig Reynolds, you've seen what he can do. He's a high-effort guy. You know, he's good for like a one or two cut every now and then. But he's not going to make guys miss like David Montgomery, you know. I mean, there's a reason why he's your third-string running back. So it's tough to say if his struggles were due to the offensive line's play or, you know, kind of just more on him. I think that it was probably a mix – both because the Bucks were really selling out to to stop our run game. I mean, Vita Vea in the middle, that's tough. They had a lot of different blitzes that were kind of tough to pick up on, especially when we run a bunch of weird kind of plays with our offensive line pulls and whatnot, so it can be tough to kind of communicate that and make sure that everybody is hitting their mark. But, yeah, definitely the worst game for our running backs this season ever since. I mean, David Montgomery, it seems like he's going to be missing some time, at least next week, if not the next two. Um, it's a rib cartilage injury uh, Campbell said today but x-rays came back negative so no like broken ribs or anything like that it sounds just like a he took a thump into the chest when he came down on the ball so I don't know if it's just bruised up or what they probably won't ever say but not a lot from him when he was playing and then Craig Reynolds you know he was okay in the receiving game I guess he had two catches for 28 yards and 10 carries for 15 yards so I'm just happy to see him step up and be able to shoulder that workload when David Montgomery went down. But we got to talk about probably the play of the game was Craig Reynolds' block to free up mm-hmm. Amon Ra St. Brown on his touchdown catch. I mean, he flew in and knocked a guy back into two other defenders. He t- took three defenders out of that play. And that's the reason why Amon Ross scored. It wasn't you know because he had like a sick route or his run after the catch ability. The only reason he had that touchdown was because of Craig Reynolds block. He cleared the way for him. And it was weird too, because I don't know if you guys were watching on TV, but I didn't even know that was a touchdown at first. I thought he like hopped out of bounds because it was kind of like yeah. a glare and you like saw the pylon. I was like, Oh, he's out of bounds. And the next thing you know, the touchdown graphic pops up. And I'm like, Holy shit. He scored on that. And sure enough, he danced on the sideline and pranced into the end zone.
3: That, that was a hell of a play. I, you know, I caught some of the, Post game from Amon Ra, he said, "You know they're they're taught to just catch the ball and knife forward for as many yards as they can." Um, it sounded like he knew Craig was back there, and he was trying to get to the sideline. And that that block was amazing. I mean, he he blew up the first guy, and then uh, just pushed him into the second guy enough to buy Amon Ra just a sliver of time to get through on that edge. And it, it definitely looked like he stepped out, but. I guess he didn't, and I don't know how he did it. He had a little leap there at the end to, to get through into the end zone. But, I mean, we have to give him a lot of shine here, too, because with the run game down, I mean, the offense basically was funneled through Amon Ra.
1: Yeah, he, he danced and he pranced and got into that end zone. And he, honestly, though, I mean, yeah, amazing block from Craig Reynolds, but the vision from Amon Ra to, like, cut back five yards... Which is so, so dangerous to do, and honestly, usually really stupid. But somehow worked out, because Craig came in like a fucking wrecking ball. He was Miley Cyrus up in that bitch. Yeah. He came in like a wrecking
3: ball. Hey, that reminded me of, uh, reminded me of Golden Tate a little bit on that play.
1: Mm. Yeah, man. Golden used to lay the hammer down on people.
3: And just the slick little... Prancing around out there, just grinding me a goal. Oh, that,
1: yo, you mean Amon ra Yeah, that too. How quick and, and just uh, lateral agility that he's got.
3: Kind of slick. Um, Goff was going, he was targeting uh, Laporta a lot in that game too, and just couldn't get it going.
1: Uh, yeah, Laporta's got that calf injury. That's probably I thought, that's why I didn't uh, bet on him to score a touchdown. I did Reynolds over 2.5 receptions. I'm on raw over on receptions, and then I'm on raw anytime, and they all hit.
3: I mean, it's not like they weren't targeting Laporta. They, they went to him like three times in a row on one drive, and he just... He had like 11 targets. They were trying to feed him. Yeah, Laporta did have a couple of drops, too, that I noticed, and it's not the
0: first, you know? And granted, he does get a lot of the targets here, and he is just a rookie. You know, the past couple of games, I mean, I don't know how many he's had on the year, but, you know, it's just like one every single game, so it kind of blends in. But I think he had two this game, so maybe it's like five drops on the season so far. I don't really know what's the exact number here, but it is a little concerning. His, you know, run-after-the-catch ability is still there, and he's been making plays for us, so I'm not complaining, but it's definitely something to to keep an eye out for.
1: Apparently during college he dropped the... He dropped 10% of his passes throughout college.
0: Yeah, I don't like that rate. I mean, he's a playmaker, and, you know, his blocking ability, you can't discount that either. So he does offer some things that you don't find in tight ends often. So if you have to deal with a drop every game or, you know, like every other game, something like that, and he has time to, you know, cut it out when you've got guys like Amon Ross St. Brown who are hitting the jugs machine after practice every day, I mean, that can be improved. And I think that the more chemistry he builds with Goff, the more he's going to be able to expect that pass coming, and it's just going to help clean it up a little bit. So not super concerned, but it's just definitely something that I've noticed the past couple of games with him.
3: Yeah, I I think they had him on pretty tight coverage, honestly. There was one drive where I think there was three straight incompletions to Laporta. I mean, they were they were trying to feed him the ball. I didn't even think he was going to be playing this game. John said he had an ankle injury or a calf injury or something, but I didn't expect much from him. But they were, they were trying to force feed him the ball. Yeah, and
0: they do have good linebackers too: Levante, David, Devin White, and then Antoine Winfield too at safety. I was always kind of, I always just watch JMO when he's out there. Whenever he's out there, he's got my eyes on him and. It's just because I want him to pan out so much. Like, we know we got something good with Amon Ross St. Brown, but Jamo just brings that excitement factor. You know what I mean? And, yeah, it might have been, like, Laporta's calf injury that might have, you know, hampered him a little bit, just made him lose a step so these linebackers were tight in coverage. But I was pretty impressed with our receiving core in general. I mean, even though Laporta only had four catches on those 11 targets, not what you want to see, our other receivers stepped up. Amon St. Brown 12 catches 124 yards and a touchdown that was his biggest game of the entire season and then Josh Reynolds I was saying at the past couple of weeks how he just is a chain mover consistently catching passes for first downs and then the announcers at one point said that he's all 17 of his catches this year had been from had been first downs or touchdowns and he got like two more and then on the third one he had like a nine yard gain, just short of the stick so that streak came to an end but you know, he's not a world beater by any means, but he just keeps getting it done, game in and game out. And then you get a guy like Jamo who steps in. He's been stretching the field. I think, you know, you can kind of compliment him for Amon Ross St. Brown's receptions because he is stretching that field. He is that deep threat. And you could tell Ben Johnson wanted to get him more involved. He caught the touchdown. He did have another drop. but That touchdown was the most electric play of the entire game. I'm sure that it went
3: wild at the stadium, Matt. It did. I was going nuts. Um, and and you know what was funny is, I didn't really notice JMO. I I don't know how many snaps he got in the first half. We we kind of lulled him to sleep a little bit before we even brought him in. I mean, maybe you can find how many uh, how many snaps he took in the first half, but I don't think it was many or any. Um, and then for Ben Johnson to kind of uncork him there in the second half, it. It definitely brought a different wrinkle to the game and the game plan. I like that he did that. It kind of make them forget about the deep shot until the second half. Yep. You know,
0: like when Stafford would just like, you could see him just kind of winding back and just cranking a long ball. I saw on JMO's touchdown, it was like uh, trips, right? And he was in the middle Just right on top of, right at the line of scrimmage, and I'm like, "Oh damn!" Like this is a JMO play, and then I see Jared Goff just winding back, like he's going to let one loose. I'm like, "Holy shit, this is it!" I don't think there's a better feeling in football when you know that your quarterback is about to just throw a bomb down into the end zone, (laughs) and then he comes down with it. It was so—I get goosebumps just thinking about. it. I got him right now.
3: You know what? I'm still waiting to see Goff really hit him. In stride, you know. Obviously, he's that's only his second game back this season. But even that ball, I mean, if you watch the some of the highlights and highlights of that play, it floated up there a long time. Jamo did a full 360 tracking that ball to be able to yeah. come down with it, and and that defensive back was right on him. I mean, I think he was trying to make up a little bit of ground, but it's not like he was wide open. Um It. it you know he credit to him for making a really good catch with with the with the guy in his face but um you know hopefully as we go through the season we we see some uh, JMO just burning a db and and getting the ball in stride
0: yep and just takes off for with nobody around him for another 20 yards it is nice to see but at the same time Jared Goff's—I mean, he's got a good arm, but he doesn't have that big arm like a Josh Allen cannon. You know, he's not throwing seventy-yard bombs to these receivers. You know, he's more of that kind of intermediate, like less than forty yards kind of guy. And I almost prefer that because we do have players who have, you know, that the ability to take it all the way to catch the ball and make something happen on their own. You know, and JMO. I can see him just kind of this year being that field stretcher and then we'll take some shots to him like once or twice, you know, get him in the mix. But I don't see him as that guy who's going to catch, you know, like he's not going to be like Tyreek Hill catching seven to 10 every single game. It's going to, he's going to need some refinement for sure. And it, it just goes to show like the coaches are pretty apprehensive to throw him in, you know, and give him all these opportunities.
3: Yeah. I think it just, I think it all feels just so new right now. I'm excited for what he can be. I think he can be that kind of almost Tyreek Hill type player. I'm excited to see what he can do after the catch with some of the the short passes. He kind of got a little feel for that when he, uh, one of his catches, I don't know, he probably ran 10 yards down the field and, and came back to the quarterback. Uh, Goff hit him and then he kind of, he evaded this tackler. He just kind of like crawled away from him. I don't know if you remember that play, but. Yeah. I think he's going to have some special skills but you know I think they just don't want him to cost them anything right now. You know, they're trying to work him in so carefully and and that's fine. We we're good enough to do that right now but I'm I don't think we're seeing anything close to the the full potential yet.
0: Yeah. No, and I'm with you. I mean, we got to take what the defense gives us, you know. We haven't been in a situation where we have to come back from behind. You know what I mean? So what's the point? Like, if Goff is playing how he is and he just keeps moving the chains on first, second, third down, no problem, and doesn't have to get put in those situations, then, you know, why do we have to throw these long balls? Just utilize him as a diversion so that Laporta and Reynolds and Amon Ross St. Brown are just going to be consistently open. You know, that's fine. We'll kind of, you know, break glass in case of emergency when we get in a situation we really need him
3: after after that touchdown in the rest of that second half J-Mo got more and more snaps and you could see you could see the dbs after that play you know taking steps back off off deep in coverage when they had J-Mo on so any fantasy managers of laporta and amon ra st brown i think are going to be really happy the way the rest of the season pans out as he gets more involved
0: and another thing I wanted to point out, too, with JMO is, like, my friend Jeff was saying this is, I don't know if you saw the video of him watching the replay of his touchdown. And sure, like, he was watching video of him catching a touchdown, but he does seem genuinely happy and he wants to assimilate to this team. You know, he's not like, oh, I need the ball more, like, why am I only getting, you know, two, three targets a game? he's happy with his role. It really does seem like that. I'm sure he wants to be, you know, that 7-10 to catch guy, catching a couple touchdowns, be the featured guy in the offense. But I also think that he is a team player, and despite what a lot of people say about him, he cares about his teammates, and I do feel like he wants to be a line. I do think that he is happy with his situation, and, you know, it definitely helps that we're winning, and he caught a touchdown, but still, I just want to say that.
3: I think that we're winning helps a lot with – with his attitude, I I think there was, you could make some comparisons to maybe Swift and how Jameson maybe had came off just attitude-wise as he got started. I think it really helps that we're winning without him. I think he, he might be a little different if if the team was, you know, 0-6 right now, but um, thank God we're winning.
1: I mean, you took him 12 overall, though, and... uh He's a season and a half into his career and we haven't seen much. It just, I, I me personally, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's cool. But like, he took you at 12 overall.
0: But at the same time, we've he's only played what? Like six, seven games so far in his entire career, you know? And four of those were, or whatever it was, however many games he played last year is coming off a torn ACL. So we took him knowing that. How much that.
1: Of, yeah. And four of them are his fault because he was a, well, he broke the rules and was dumbass.
0: I think that everybody is kind of in the same boat now saying, like, that was a dumb rule. And the NFL even repealed their decision. Yeah, he knew the rule, so though.
1: Just... He knew the rule. No, he
0: didn't. He didn't know the rule. Uh, well, nobody knew the rule. He did it in a hotel in Chicago on college football. So... I when I at first when I heard the news, yes, I was pissed. But now that you know the situation and how stupid this rule is, and now that the NFL has repealed it, it was dumb. It's not like he's you know failing drug tests or PEDs or anything like stupid like that. Like he was just gambling in like college football.
3: I feel like the the gambling thing is stupid. It's a bad rule, but he was stupid to mess up on it. And I think John's right. Everyone wants more from him, but. Um, he has to be he's still so young and new to new to the team i mean you have to be measured with how they get him in and, and i'm glad they're doing that actually i'm glad that he's not out there every snap because i don't trust that he's fully up to speed with the, the whole offense with all the assignments outside of being the, the pass catcher you know he, he just feels
1: more raw feels so raw like even gibbs feels more polished than him already
0: no, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I, I see your point, but look at some of the really good teams in the NFL, their first round picks. They might not even start their rookie year. And Jamison Williams is essentially a rookie. We have good pieces in place. Like Josh Reynolds. He's had years of practice with Jared Goff. Amon am Ross St. Brown, one of the best receivers in the league, you know, so he's got to catch up to Josh Reynolds. He's not going to be that number one. And some of these guys like Garrett Wilson, you know, they don't have a choice. They got to step up right then. Chris Olave, he didn't have Michael Thomas. He's got to step up right then. And I think he was the very next pick, so.
1: Amon Ra was drafted one year before him and and way later. And he's already one of the best receivers in the league.
3: I mean, it's hard to compare situations.
1: I know. I'm just saying, I just want, I I want to see him looking uh, more... More like a route runner, I guess. to To see him get to the level that we hope from him, that's all.
0: You want to see like a Jalen Waddle and a Tyreek Hill. like that's a ceiling.
1: Yeah, I want to. Yeah, that's what that's what we hoped from him when we drafted him. That's that's really what I mean. Is like I'd love to see that, and I just don't know if I've seen that yet. But they they trust him, and to your point, he has not gotten much time on the field.
0: It'll be interesting to see how the year goes by. I mean, with our our running backs banged up like they are, Goff might be asked to pass the ball a little bit more. And we haven't really seen him throwing the ball 40 times. You know, it's like 20, 30-some times a game, and that's just less opportunity. And when you got a target hog like Amon Ross St. Brown and Laporta, that's just less for him. So it'll be interesting to see how we deploy some of these wide receivers with David Montgomery out. And, you know, Gibbs probably going to be on a a snap count. He's not going to be that 30 carry guy. So I'm interested to see why I'll use him. But I think we kind of uh, talk these wide receivers to death here. So let's keep it moving on here. And I already talked about the offensive line a little bit. Belly, I know this is your favorite position group. You got any input on this?
2: Throw me up some pancakes, Corbin.
0: Well, there weren't a lot of pancakes this time. Yeah, I mean, I thought that it was kind of a a struggle for the run game and – yeah, not the best blocking that I've seen, but I credit the Bucks defense because that was a good defense we were going up against. Those were some big boys on the defensive line. They got size, they got speed to help penetrate and kind of, you know, make those aggressive tackles behind the line or at the line. And then Jonah Jackson, he was out this game and with a healthy Halapuli Vaitai, Coyote Owashika got the start at left guard. So that was a little surprising. I kind of assumed that Big V would be filling in at left or right and Graham Glasgow would stay, but we rolled out with Owashika, And Big V, he was healthy. He was on the active roster. He just didn't get the start. So from what I saw, a lot of the uh, Lions defensive players have been talking up Owashika, So he might be the, uh, the left guard guy while uh, Jonah Jackson's recovering from his ankle injury. Keep an eye on that. But let's start talking about the defense here, because as good as our offense was, the defense had another dominant performance, and it was kind of just all across the board. You know, we didn't have five, 10 sacks a game. We only had one sack, but the defensive line continues to shut down the run. We had a lot of pressures and Hutchinson, pretty quiet day for him. I didn't see like his pressure numbers or anything like that, but no sacks from him. Isaiah Bugs had that one nice tip pass that we ended up picking off. So, I mean, we were definitely pushing the pocket. And like you said, Matt, a lot of the Bucks fans were probably pissed off that Baker didn't have
3: that much time to throw. Would have liked to see sacks, but you know, the pressure definitely got him scrambling a little bit. He does have a unique ability to kind of evade being tackled and just to make something out of nothing which which was fun to watch and frustrating when you thought he was going down and he managed to make you know anything happen. I, I will say there was a wind that was going that day that had picked up through the day and I, I think we lucked out on that because he was he was throwing with the wind on a couple of his big misses. And I think that was hard to see on on TV, but damn, he missed two or three passes by maybe three three to five yards. I don't know if that was the wind or not, but it wasn't too far away from being a much closer game.
0: Yeah, some of those long balls. Well, thank God for that wind. I kind of thought there might have been because on those field goals, you saw it curve a little bit. So I thought that it might have been out there, but tough to tell when you're just watching on TV. Need boots on the ground. But yeah, defensive line, probably not the best game. I mean, they did some good things, but not a lot of pressure or not a lot of sacks that you can, that are actually tangible to show that we were getting after the QB, but it seemed like we were collapsing that pocket and making him rush some decisions there. But our linebackers, I think that Alex Anzalone was probably the star of the show. I mean, week in, week out, he's like everywhere. I said, yeah, he has some, yeah, he's had good plays and bad plays the past couple of weeks, but I feel like I didn't see him make a single mistake, led the team in tackles again with nine, two pass breakups, he was good against the pass, he was good stopping the run, he was good blitzing Baker too, rushing him to make some decisions, so it's probably the best game I've ever seen him have as a Detroit Lion, so a lot of people hate on Anzalone, and I kind of was one of them last year too, you know, I was critical of him. This year, he's impressed me, and this is kind of the cherry on top where I'm like, okay, damn, like he deserves to be that starting middle linebacker. Even if we take Jack Campbell in the first round, even if Derek Barnes is looking great this season to start, you can't keep Anzalone off the field, and it's because he's smart, and more times than not, he's going to be where he needs to be to make a play.
3: He he was doing it all out there. His name was getting called a lot. He was making tackles. I think he was interrupting the pass game. Um, I do want to give... Um some love to Isaiah Bugs. I think he uh was the one that tipped that Baker pass early on that led to an interception. Baker in the postgame claimed that uh, that was gonna be a touchdown to Mike Evans. So um shout out to Isaiah Bugs on the defensive line.
0: Yeah, if you watch the replay, I mean Mike Evans, he was running free down the middle of the field. I don't know what happened there. I got to watch the game again to find out who it was. I mean, it would have been Kirby or Tracy, but yeah, it was a touchdown saved and it turned into an interception. So that's seven points the wrong way for them. And I haven't seen the uh, snap count yet, but I wanted to shout out Jack Campbell too, because I saw him out there a lot more. I feel like he... You know, he's been like a 40, 50% kind of guy. I feel like he played like 60, 70% of the snaps this week. And you keep seeing him play that Sam role. I don't know if he's going to continue once we get James Houston back, but he's probably out for still a couple more weeks. So it's nice to see him being utilized because, you know, in some capacity, because we have Anzalone out there and Derek Barnes is playing well, there's just not enough room to go around, but... He impressed me. He he did a good job making some tackles. I think he had like 7 tackles this game, like second or third most on the team. So, shout out Jack Campbell. That was a good game for him.
3: Yeah. I think um I think we need to talk about Will Harris a little bit.
0: Yeah. There's some good and bad for sure. I mean, he had the interception. That was nice. That was more just a heads-up play. But there was like two or three times where he was getting beat on those deep balls. And it was to Trey Palmer, too. It's not Chris Godwin. It's not Mike Evans. It's Trey Palmer. I think he's a rookie or second year player out of Nebraska. You know, and Baker just missed the throws. Otherwise, they would have been there would have been two touchdowns right there if he would have hit him. I don't know if that was what you were talking about with the wind, but yeah, it was scary. He had a nice game last week and came back down to earth.
3: Right. Yeah. He had he had a great game last week. I mean, way, you know. Beyond what we've seen from him, I think everyone's usually pretty critical of his play. Um, came off the nice game last week, and then, man, he, you know, he had the pick. I said, I was thinking, God, is Will Harris going to put together another good game here? It'd be shocking. And he was a liability in coverage. I mean, I was. I turned to my dad and I just said, We can't keep putting 25 on these receivers. I mean, he was getting burned left and right. We're really lucky that some of those passes didn't connect because we. Game could have went a different way, but who is he even playing for? He's playing for Brian Branch. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say, what are we even going to do? I mean, it seems like Branch is moving in the right direction to play for next week against the Ravens, but we don't really have a lot of options at corner. Mosley's down. We've got Dorsey and we've got, um, who's the other guy? Chase Um, Gilmore. Yeah. Chase Lucas too. So, I mean, it's not like we really have a ton of options who are, you know, ready to step in. I think he he made some good plays too, especially tackling and you know stopping the run. But yeah, in coverage, it was uh, definitely far from his best game this week.
3: It was good to see Tracy Walker out there laying the lumber on people. Um, I thought he knocked out Chris Godwin. The whole stadium was up in arms about that hit. The guy behind me was going ballistic, saying that it was for sure a penalty. So. I like Tracy Walker just because he's been on the team so long and he's his personality and the, and the big hitting that he brings to the defense. You know, I don't know. Does he make a lot of good plays outside of just, you know, big hits? Well, the
0: thing is, I don't think that since he's been starting this year, we've been tested deep a, a ton, you know. It's a lot of that shorter stuff. And when you saw the Bucks taking shots into the end zone, at the, at the end of the fourth quarter on their final drive, he was there to stop it, you know? Like, he was back, so you might not see him as much just, like, breaking up passes and stuff, but I think it's a testament to how teams don't want to test us deep. I think they realize that in the middle of the field, that short stuff is how they can expose us defensively. So, you know, I have no critiques against him in the run game because this is, like, three or four games in a row that you just see him make a bone-crunching hit. And I think he was penalized for it last week. And I give I hats off to the officials for picking up that flag on that hit because it seems like and I talked about this weeks past that anytime there's a big hit and it's just, you know, a loud pop, they throw that flag. And you look on the replay and there is no leading with the helmet. There's no contact with the head or neck area. And then they, you know, just call it a like helmet to helmet contact. But the refs got it right in this game. They picked up the flag. He led with his shoulder. Yeah, he knocked him on his ass. So that was a really nice hit. He's kind of an enforcer over there. And teams are going to think twice thrown in the middle of the field when Tracy Walker's bearing down on you.
3: Is is the best passing quarterback we've faced this season, Geno Smith?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It might be. I'm probably still going to give it to Patrick Mahomes. But against us, yeah, Geno <laughs> carved our ass up. <laughs>
3: Hard to not give it to Mahomes, but with Kelsey out, and I mean, I don't think he necessarily played a great game. But I feel, I feel like I even, if you were to compare Geno versus Mahomes in the times we played him, I would have to say that Geno probably played a better game.
0: Yeah, Geno and the Seahawks—they've had our number, but they've also got good weapons too. So, but he wasn't really throwing bombs against us either, and that wasn't like that last year either. It's just kind of like we couldn't stop the run. And we couldn't, I mean, it was just a high completion and then yards after catch kind of the game for them. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think Tracy Walker is an issue at all. For the most part, there's been a lot more good than I've seen bad outside of a couple of dropped interceptions. I think that he's been. Oh, my
3: God, he always drops the ball.
0: I know. <laughs> He'll come down with a couple. He wasn't always Kirby like that, like last year. Game. Yeah. Yeah, Kirby had a good game, too, and that's what I was talking about in the um in the fourth quarter on their last drive. He was breaking some passes up. He was making some tackles, and then Cam Sutton, kind of the same boat. He was making some plays at the end of the game, but he's just very consistent, had some good sure tackles. Jerry Jacobs had that really nice tackle on that wide receiver screen, slipped the blocker, got a tackle for loss, almost had another interception, too. So yeah, defensive backs, I I was pretty pleased with what I saw this week. Will Harris, obviously some stuff to clean up, but hopefully Brian Branch is back sooner
3: than later. I I love what Jerry Jacobs is doing. I'm happy for that guy. He's he's playing great.
0: He had some early season struggles, and he just continues to shed that narrative. He's keeping it clean. No defensive pass interferences this game, and he's still physical as all hell, so he's got to keep it rolling. It's nice because He's really, if him and Cam Sutton can stay healthy, we get Branch back. I feel pretty good about our defensive back crew. But let's talk coaches a little bit here, starting with Dan, the man Campbell himself. And I don't really have any critiques on challenges or clock management or going for it on fourth down or anything like that. I mean, you saw he finally gave Riley Patterson, that what was it, a 52-yard attempt, and he missed it. So I think that that kind of will get the monkey off his back when it comes to the fans saying like, why are we going for it on fourth down and not kicking it? That's why because you're going to give them immaculate field position, and we are better off just actually taking like a fifty-fifty chance on fourth down and keeping it rolling. I mean, I don't trust him for anything over forty yards, you know. And the, and when we're at the fifty-two and it's third and we got thirteen yards to go on fourth down. I think it's best to just punt it. We got Jack Fox who can just cough and corner those motherfuckers every time. Yeah, I mean, three points is nice, but I just don't think anything over 50 is realistic when it comes to Patterson. So,
2: weren't you just talking about wind was bad?
0: <laughs> well, I didn't know that at the time, and I already had this spiel all prepared. So,
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't trust him from FR either. He's he does not have a leg.
0: How is the wind blowing in comparison to his kick, Matt?
3: You know, I think the wind was helping him on that kick.
0: So it would have been even worse with no wind.
3: I think so. I I, I would need to double-check the film, but I'm pretty sure he was kicking with the wind.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, there you have it. Well, yeah, because I heard that the, the distance was good. I mean, obviously, accuracy, no, he didn't have it. So, yeah, I mean... Campbell didn't really have a lot of situations where he had to make a tough decision like that. After Patterson missed the kick, the next time he was in that situation, he went for it on fourth down, so I was okay with that. But this is the best streak that the Lions have had since the 1960s. The uh, broadcast had a stat about that. And you can go on and on with how this is a historically good Lions team, but we just have to take a second to appreciate what we have, what Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes has given us. This culture is just different, and it starts with him. Coordinators, Ben Johnson, run game wasn't really there today, but he pivoted in the second half and put the ball in Jared Goff's hands. He didn't really have a ton of crazy trick plays or anything like that, but he just found creative ways to get the ball into his playmaker's hands. Aaron Glenn, this is his second game this season, I believe, where he's held opponents to zero touchdowns, just field goals. Run defense just keeps on going. And you know, we handled those short, quick passes a lot better than we had in the past. I, I talked about Bryce Young with the Panthers and Gino with the Seahawks. That's kind of how they tore us up. And we kept Baker for what? under one hundred and fifty yards, something like that. So pretty impressive day in the office. Uh, it wasn't perfect by any means, but they still did a great job and kept the points off the board. So that's going to do it for this wrap up. Like I said, not the most exciting game, not a ton of points, but still a lot of key takeaways from this game. The Lions keep rolling. We're five and one. Let's wrap up this game with the game balls in the burning bags of dog shit. Belly. What do you got?
2: Uh, my game ball goes out to the movie, uh, the number 23 with Jim Carrey. Um, it was a great flick, a little outside of Jim Carrey's realm, but, uh, had a little mystery to it. If you want a little thrill this spooky season, check out the number 23, 2007, Jim Carrey. Boom.
0: What the hell is that?
2: I thought that he was going to talk about Jerry Jacobs.
0: What is the number 23 anyway?
1: It, it's a, he goes crazy. He like draws into his own face and shit. I, he's up. He comes, becomes obsessed with the number 23.
0: Literally obsessed with the number 23. All right. Well, that one sucked. John, what about you?
1: Uh, mine is the movie Twenty Four. No, just kidding. It's uh, the show segmentals. is fucking sick. <laughs> I never. Uh, yeah, yeah. My my mom watches, so I've seen a little bit. It was. Well, it did seem pretty good.
2: Orban also Jack thinks Bauer's that uh, fucking what's it called? Jason Bourne was losing a fight to Jack Bauer like a total jackass, Easily, dude.
0: Easily, he was tied down to a chair, and he literally escaped by biting off the guy's ear and neck, and then just got his way out of a Chinese prison sounds Got like you had a weak America. opponent hmm, no anyways john your game ball
1: uh, uh it is uh the craig reynolds for that block not the best in the run game but and that was just a beauty
0: yes it was yep that was a great play it made up for the uh lack of rushing yards for sure what about you matt who's getting your game ball
3: I don't want to take your game ball I think there's a couple candidates Uh, I'll go Amon Ross St. Brown For the game ball Just reliable, consistent What do you have, 12 catches For over 100 yards and a touchdown Um, Love what that guy's doing I think he's going to continue to be great For us, I think he had a fantastic game
0: Yeah, well, for me, I was thinking Goff, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Goff obviously had his best game of the season, but I got to give it to Alex Anzalone because I've seen so much more good than bad from him this year. I think that he really came around and improved big time since last year. This was his best game yet. He was all over the place. I didn't see him make a single mistake. So, Alex Anzalone, you're getting my game ball. We're moving on to the burning bags of dog shit. Belly, who's getting your burning bag?
2: Uh, my burning bag goes to the wind, the least favorite of all elements.
0: Major kicker miss one. This is you off. Wasn't the money badger anyways. John, what about you? Who's getting your burning bag?
1: Uh, my burning bag goes to 415 games. I'm not used to that. And that's generally the time where I like to either do some chores or maybe fall asleep on the couch. So that was tough.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't like it every single week, but it was kind of nice. Like, I was coming home from a wedding. Belly was there, too, so I didn't get to watch Red Zone at 1 o'clock. But if I could watch all the Red Zone games at 1 o'clock and then just have that one four fifteen game on, being the Lions, that's fine by me. I just didn't get to enjoy it the right way this week. Moving on, Matt, who's getting your burning bag of dog shit?
3: I, I will say with John, it was weird not being in the earlier slate nothing like uh having a whole lot of extra time on your hands with your dad um <laughs> my burning bag of shit goes to um that Pod quote bulls. was
2: all time
3: <laughs> nothing like having some
2: extra quality time with good old dad
3: sound more excited about it why don't you <laughs> um odd bulls gets the burning bag of shit post game conference They were ripping him a new one. He just kept saying, we came out of the bye week sluggish. And that's just ridiculous. From what i picked up, biggest game of the season for Tampa Bay, biggest home game. Fans didn't show up. They had two weeks to prepare for the Lions, and they just came out, and they couldn't piece anything together on offense. Baker Mayfield said, I sucked. We sucked. We were horrible. It, It just seems like they were unprepared. Todd Bowles' tone in the post-game conference was just seemed uninterested. Uh, I'd be shocked if that guy has a job next year.
0: I respect Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator, but he's just never had that success as a head coach, you know. And granted, he didn't have Brady for very long, but at the same time, yeah, offense was flat. So I agree with that one. Not a lot of burning bags you can really hand out to the Lions this week. Just because it was a pretty impressive performance across the board. But I'm gonna give it to Will Harris. Hopefully we get Brian Branch back. He had that one interception, but he was a liability in coverage, you know. And other than that, it was a pretty, you know, pristine game defensively. But it seemed like whenever something wrong happened, it was because of Will Harris. So would have been a perfect defensive performance if not for him. But he's getting it this week. Let's put that one in the books and move on to our week seven matchup. We are going to Baltimore to take on the Ravens Sunday, October 22nd back to that 1 PM slate. Good for you, John. There you go. The Ravens are sitting at four and two, coming off a win in London against Belly's Tennessee Titans. They beat them twenty four to sixteen. Right now, the Lions are actually three point underdogs. I think it opened at uh, Lions plus two and a half. It's up to plus three at this point, and the over under is set at forty two and a half. The last time we played the Ravens, I don't think anybody has forgotten about this game. twenty twenty one. The Lions lost 19-17. It was damn near Dan Campbell's very first win as a Lions head coach, if not for the record-setting 66-yard buzzer-beater field goal by none other than the opera singer Justin Tucker. But we've came a long way. It's been two years since then, and we are looking to erase that loss. I feel like we've got a lot of uh, grudge matches coming up from the past few years. Doesn't really help that we didn't really win many games in 2021. Pretty much everybody on that schedule could be a grudge match, but here we are a different team ready to take on the Baltimore Ravens. But let's talk about some of the injuries real quick. I already talked about David Montgomery. He's likely going to be out this week, almost for sure. If not, you know, going to the next week against Raiders, then we have a bye. So hopefully we can get him back what week 10, I think that would be. Um, Uh, Campbell touched on a couple other guys today, too, in his press conference. Jameer Gibbs and Brian Branch are trending in the right direction, I believe were his words. No news on Jonah Jackson, our starting left guard, so keep an eye out for him. And then Josh Pascal, he was our second-round pick from last year. He's back at practice. His clock has started, so he could get activated this week, might need another week, but it's nice to get that edge depth and a little bit of a bigger guy. Give John Kaminsky some, uh, some rest in there maybe fill him in for uh one of the aquaros too so let's talk about the star of the show on the ravens offense it is lamar jackson the former mvp and john's favorite player in the nfl
1: he's he is one of my favorite players
0: yeah him and jalen hurts those are your guys
1: uh yeah I, i those are definitely my dogs
0: Lamar's been pretty good so far this season, 70% completion, just shy of that. 1,253 yards, five touchdowns, and three interceptions. You know, the the offense is obviously going to be running through him. Just think about Justin Fields, but an even better passer. And early on in Lamar's career, I kind of viewed him in the same lens as Fields, but he has taken strides as a passer, and he has much improved as, you know, the past couple of years here, so... Uh, he can run he can pass he's finally got some weapons for the first time in his career at receiver I feel like it used to just be him and Mark Andrews but now Zay Flowers their rookie he's leading their team in receptions he's off to a really nice start they got Odell Beckham in there he hasn't done much but Nelson Aguilar is there Rashad Bateman's there so those are five quality options to go to and their run game is usually their bread and butter. Gus Edwards and Justice Hill are averaging about four yards of carry between each other. J.K. Dobbins out for the season with uh, Achilles, I believe it is, or ACL. Um, but Lamar is really going to be their leading rusher. He has 60 attempts for 327 yards at this point. So the offense is solid. It's a little scary, I'm not going to lie, you know, just because we have struggled with those rushing quarterbacks when you know it's it's tough to contain justin fields and in week one we had that contain approach and we didn't get a lot of pressure on patrick mahomes so yeah running backs who can get it done with their legs are you know it's been a kind of a thorn in our side the past few years so we'll see if we can uh figure something out. The one thing that I've noticed watching the Ravens games lately is these receivers are dropping a ton of passes like against the Steelers. I think that their receivers had five, six drops. A couple of those would have been for touchdowns and they could have won that game. So this could be like a matchup of five and one teams. If you know, the Ravens didn't choke away that loss against the the Steelers here. So what do you guys think about this Ravens offense compared to years past?
3: Do Do we think Lamar, bulked up lamar still has the same running ability as he used to i think he's a he's little bit more good.
0: cautious but he could still get it done you know you've got that's got to be the very first thing that you want to stop it's the same thing when we play justin's deals
3: his vision is still so good i he's definitely put on a lot of muscle I, i'm you can tell when you look at him I was watching uh the London game early. I think he's lost some of his slipperiness. Like it just doesn't seem like he's able to to get through, weave through the defense like he used to be able to. I'm still worried about him in the run game, but I don't know if he still has that same ability he had in his his first couple years. I I watch a lot
1: of Ravens games. He still he still can break them off uh pretty consistently. I think he, I think it's more so he's changed his game a lot where he was one read and then run for so long and now he's going through his progressions and so they're uh, respecting him more in the passing game in that sense. But yeah, he's he's definitely being a little more careful. I I will say though that about their offense, I watched the whole London game. Their running game without J.K. J. Dobbins... Did not look good. Gus Edwards was getting stuffed everywhere. Lamar was the only one who was getting any room on the ground.
3: I, I thought Justice Hill looked okay.
1: Yeah, Justice Hill looked okay, but Gus Edwards, who had who was getting most of the carries.
0: I don't think they'll change it up. Gus Edwards is like 240 pounds or something like that, so they kind of have like a, a Diet Thunder and Lightning uh, running back duo, kind of similar to us, but, you know, Gus Edwards is 240 pounds. He's going to be that, you know, just straight line kind of guy, just like pounded out the middle. And then Justice Hill is that change of pace, little quicker guy. I think he's like 190 pounds, something like that. So I think that Gus Edwards is probably going to try and pummel into our defensive line, but I don't see them being able to run the ball with the running backs. The problem we've always had is stopping the quarterback and the Ravens do have a new offensive coordinator this year. And so far, the receivers have looked pretty good. I mean, the Ravens passing game has definitely improved. And, yeah, and to your point, Matt, I think that, you know, he does look a little bit thicker in the neck for sure, Lamar Jackson. And I think that, you know, he is getting a little older. He's taken more hits as every season goes Mm -hmm. on. So he's not, you know, that spry young buck like he was, you know, his rookie, sophomore, junior campaign. So, yeah, maybe it is adding up and if it's just like one little step off, it's going to make it easier for us. And that's going to keep on happening and happening when you have a a quarterback who loves to run the ball like that. He's definitely figured out that he needs to be able to pass the ball to have more longevity in his career.
3: And it's funny that they're um struggling with drops right now. If we think about the last time they played, drops were happening everywhere. I mean, they The game was so close because Hollywood Brown dropped like two or three touchdown passes. And Aguilar is not known for his hands. I don't know how Odell's doing this year. I think Mark Andrews is going to be a pretty tough challenge. But, you know, I like Anzalone and and maybe Jack Campbell on him. I think Will Harris probably gets toasted by him if he's tasked with, you know, trying to cover him.
0: Mark Andrews has been pretty consistently a top three tight end in the entire NFL the last three, four years. But as an owner of him in fantasy football, he is very boomer bust. Like, you're going to have a 12-catch, 120-yard, 2-3 touchdown game out of him every now and then. But then you're also going to have the games where he's two catches for 20 yards, something like that. And, you know, we do have a good defense. I don't think that he's just going to bully us. So, yeah, I mean, Lamar is definitely the biggest threat to me. I think that, you know, their offense is, our offense is head and shoulders better than theirs. I think what it's really going to come down to is how our offense responds to their defense. Because when you look at the NFL as a whole and you talk about who's the best defensive football team of all time, I mean, for me personally, there's two teams that come to mind it's the Baltimore Ravens and it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, those defenses are just kind of ingrained into this team's culture. They just pride themselves on having top defenses year in and year out. And they're not afraid to go out and get guys to help bolster that defense if they see there's a point where they're lacking. Like last year, they went out and traded for Roquan Smith. We know him all too well from the Bears. He's their top guy on defense, definitely the most talented player they have. But then you look at Patrick Queen. He was their former first-round pick from a couple years ago. He's a beast, too. He was one of the best linebackers in the NFL until the Ravens traded for Roquan Smith. So that's an even scarier linebacker tandem than Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks on the Seahawks. And, you know, we didn't really fare too well against that team either. I mean, offensively, I guess we didn't struggle too much, but they're even better. I think the the weakest spot probably on their defense is their uh, defensive linemen. They've got some rotation guys in there, you know. Jadavian Clowney's there now. Kyle Van former Lion, he's there too. Some big guys in the middle, but their linebackers are going to be shooting those gaps and making the plays. That's what we really need to watch out for.
3: Yeah, does this become, you know, with the injuries and all, are we relying on golf in the pass game a lot here? I think the the Ravens probably have a pretty solid defensive backfield.
0: Yeah, no, their defensive backs are nice, too. I mean, it's tough to top Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen at linebacker, but you look at their defensive backs. I mean, Kyle Hamilton, people were talking about the Lions taking him at third overall a couple years ago. Or what was it? Was it second overall over Hutchinson? Yeah, it was over Hutchinson, and people were talking about taking him. Marcus Williams, he was another guy on the Lions' radar He uh, played for the Saints before he signed with the the Ravens in free agency last year, Um, so that's a pretty good safety tandem. Marcus Williams hurt his hamstring against the Titans, and he's kind of been battered up by injuries the past couple years, but they both have talent. Marlon Humphrey, he's their star cornerback, former All-Pro. He just had foot surgery in the offseason, but he's been healthy the past two games. So, yeah, they definitely got some good defenders. I wouldn't say it's like the Ray Lewis, Ed Reed Ravens by any means, but – We've got some talent there, and offenses have struggled against this defense so far this season.
1: That's where Kyle Hamilton got drafted.
0: 15th or 14th?
1: Two picks after Jamison Williams. Yeah,
0: 14, yeah. Well, obviously we made the right yeah. pick, and Brad Holmes we trust. I'm not I'm not loving the matchup. It's going to be a tougher one. I mean, Chiefs we knew was going to be tough. We didn't really think the Bucks would be that hard, but, you know, the way they played they're a good team you know they're they're not bad their offense obviously you know with Baker like they have some limitations but defensively the Bucks have a good defense and with the Ravens they're it's a bigger challenge this is probably the second toughest game that we'll have played this year you know Seahawks is up there too but it's no gimme I mean we're three-point dogs for a reason I know we're on the road but this is a quality team they could easily be five and one
3: I. I think we're going to see a lot more of Jameson Williams possibly in this game. I, with the run game, you know, taking the hit with Montgomery, I, we're going to have to mix it up in the pass game with these guys.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, they haven't really played against a ton of speed so far. Um, I mean, just kind of thinking back on their past few games, like Titans and Steelers, like Najee's looked pretty slow. And then Derrick Henry, obviously, he's more muscle than speed than anything. But maybe this is a game where Jameer Gibbs can finally have that breakout game where he breaks one off or a big gain or a touchdown. Jamison Williams, we got his speed. And then Craig Reynolds, Laporta, and Amon Ross St. Brown always, you know, pretty safe options too. So I don't think we're gonna, you know, I don't think we're gonna break that twenty point streak that we're on. The Lions have had twenty points every single game this season which is the first since I don't even know how long, probably another one of those cool stats that I was talking about based on how good this team has been so far. But I think that they are going to limit us. And I think that their red zone defense is going to be an issue. So maybe a couple of those touchdown opportunities turn into field goals. I still think that we're going to put some points on the board and, you know, defensively too, like we need to get some turnovers going, you know, like we've had some lucky ones bounce our way like this week with the tip pass, but I want to see some fumbles for us here. They're going to want to run the ball against us, control the uh, the tempo of the game. They're They're not, not like a 40, 50 pass kind of guy. They're going to want to run the ball, so maybe we can uh, punch that ball out and get some turnovers, put us in a good position to score some touchdowns.
3: Aren't we like the top run defense in the league or one of them? Yeah,
0: at, at least top three. I don't know exactly. There's a bunch of different rankings and whatnot, but I know that teams can't really run on us. Nobody has been able to so far. And it's not like they have a a world beater running back. The most successful rushers against the Lions have been quarterbacks. You know, Patrick Mahomes, I think he had like 50 yards against us week one. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Aaron Glenn uses our edge guys if we're going to play more of that contain role, like how we tried against the Seahawks, because that didn't work out well at all. You know, but obviously Lamar is a scarier rusher than. Mahomes and Geno too so it's going to test our defense in a way that we haven't seen yet and I'm interested to see what the game plan looks like for Lamar Jackson he's definitely the guy you got to look out for we got to shut down his ability to run the ball that's priority a and then you know try and limit the pass game as best we can if we can do that I don't think they'll be able to put up too many points on our defense because we have been looking really good let's move on to here to some score predictions belly how do you see this one going down
2: uh, I think the line looks fishy to me, being that it's only Lions plus three. I thought they were going to get uh, less than that. I thought they would even be maybe favored. So I think because the line looks fishy, the Ravens are going to take it. So what score? 30-27, Ravens.
0: Heard. All right, John, how about you?
1: I got uh, Lions winning 21-16. to going to be a tough one, but I think if our defense can hold – Tight against that run. Pop some drives. They'll, they like to take those long uh, field goals with Tucker. Hold him to uh, under 20 points and get away there uh, with a cheap little win.
3: Okay, I like it. Matt, how do you see this one going down? I don't love the matchup. I think I'm going to have nightmares about Justin Tucker's game-winning field goal from the last time. But I'm just checking out the, the Ravens' schedule the Steelers beat them 17 to 10. That that gives me hope there. I think we squeak it out by a touchdown. I think 28-21 Lions. Okay,
0: I like it. You guys are pushing for those overs. And I'm not with you on the over. I'm taking the under this week. Thankfully I got in at a uh, 44 and a half under on that. I'm taking the Lions 20 to 17. Going to be a gritty battle. The one thing we didn't talk about is how the Ravens are coming back from London, really. So hopefully that time zone change will help out our uh, our team. You know, benefit us a little bit. But I think it's going to be a hard fought game, and this is you know the gritty type of football that Dan Campbell preaches, and it's going to be a, a statement game if we can get out of here with a win this week. So, well, let's move on here and get to Belly's favorite part of the show with,
2: with the belly we're back to betting with the belly you know the drill everybody picks an over and under a favorite and a doke loser uh ends up with nine hot dogs per nine innings and nine beers which does not sound like a cup of tea beers would be no problem hot dogs would be tough um going over the recap of last week carbon came out with zero and four john and myself uh with two and two apiece uh, to the standings, though, we have Corbin with a 12-12 and 12 record in first, John at 10-14 and 14 in second, and myself in third at 9-14-1. And, and we're going to go ahead and roll right into this week with Corbin's favorite. Talk to me, Daddy.
0: Yeah, before my favorite, I just wanted to say, as bad as my record was last week on Belly and the Fish, I went like 10-2 and two in my actual bet, so I'm not all that bad. I'm okay to get the actual money here. Plus, I need to let you guys catch up a little bit. But my favorite this week is going to be the Browns. They are two-point favorites going to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. I do like Gardner Minshew, but he didn't look too good against the Jags last week. The Jags have swept that series. The Browns' defense is legit. They just handed the 49ers their first loss with P.J. Walker starting, too, so we'll see if Deshaun Watson's back. I really don't care at this point. I mean, the Browns are looking actually pretty solid. So, give me the Browns and that minus 2.
2: Yeah, PJ Walker, former XFL MVP. Um, but yeah, it's funny to see uh Brock Purdy how the uh, castle crumbles once you lose all your weapons and now everybody's just talking shit about him. Uh, I still have faith in the lad, but the Browns did look too good going going with you Corbin give me Browns minus two at the Colts the only thing I don't like about that line is it does look fishy which makes me feel like I should pick the Colts but I'm gonna go with uh my gut and going with the Browns John hit me with your favorite
1: I almost took that Browns line this week but I don't know about the quarterback situation and Gardner Minshew's not bad I took uh Rams giving three and a half points to Ben Stiller
2: So the Ben Stillers are coming off a bye, so that game will definitely be interesting. I don't really know what to make of the Rams yet Um, and the Steelers. I just root for Kenny Pickett for reasons known. Um, But uh, I think the Rams should probably cover that. I don't know. We'll end up seeing what happens there. Moving on to the Dog. Corbin, go ahead and recap everything we just talked about.
0: Yep, Lions plus three at Ravens. I'm not getting off the train yet. Enough said. Take the boys.
2: Line's getting three. Line's fishy. It's a lot of fishy lines this week, including my dog, even though I got it in before the line moved. I was told to change mine, even though I had the Saints plus one. Now they're minus three dogs. We switched around, and I got Kenny Pickett and the boys plus three and a half solely because the line's fishy. John, moving on to your dog. Uh, My dog is more of a lion this week. Plus three. (laughs) the ravens oh a little animal switcheroo on us i like it moving on to the over corbin tell us about it
0: i'm going packers broncos packers coming off a bye hopefully they get aaron jones back broncos defense sucks offense has actually looked all right so far so over 45 points in this game i didn't really like a ton of these overs but i think these offenses can put up points and we'll go over 45
2: Did you guys see the uh, Steve Smith interview with Jerry Judy? Yeah. That might have been one of the funniest things I've seen in a while, dude. He just just torched him live on air. It was awesome.
0: (laughs) So I didn't see the actual interview, but I did see him talking about it afterwards. And then I saw Jerry Judy basically ignore the reporter asking him about it. So you don't fuck with Steve Smith, dude. You respect Steve Smith. So, yeah.
2: Basically what happened was Steve Smith said something along the lines of, you've been pretty pedestrian in like your last couple of games. And then Steve Smith like went up to him to like apologize to him or just be like, Hey man, I'm just commentating. Like I didn't, I didn't mean anything by it. And he said something along the lines of like, I don't fuck with you. And so Steve Smith was like, okay, it's on. And then just fucking gave him He needs some ointment after that. But uh, yeah, that'll wrap up. Corbin's over my over. I got Herbert versus Mahomes. a little quarterback battle. Over 50 and a half is kind of high, but I would love to see a good shootout. Haven't seen one of those in a little bit. Going into the over four, young, my name's not, Jonathan.
1: Shootouts galore this week. Eagles, Dolphins, over 52. Probably means it's going to end up being like a 10 to 12 game or some shit like that. One of those like total snooze fest that comes out of
2: nowhere. Yeah, Eagles are down a lot of defensive players, and if that's the case, that Dolphins offense just keeps on humming. Um, Moving on to the under. Corbin, tell us about our NFC North neighbors.
0: My under is the Bears-Raiders. Raiders have put up some points, but they just suck, man. I think this game's in Chicago. There's no Justin Fields, so the Bears offense is going to be, I don't know, I put the lid at like 14 points max and Raiders not that much better with Jimmy G they can't even get Devontae Adams going they got no run game so I don't see it get one over 37 and a half points which is why I took the under
2: yeah um so Fields is out and then isn't uh Jimmy G has a back problem so Aiden O'Connell I think is starting too so that game is going to be an absolute dumpster fire yeah um another backup quarterback matchup between you and P.J. Walker. I got the under in the Colts-Browns game for under 39.5. John, what's your under?
1: I got uh, Bucks-Falcons under 38.5. Feels like it's going to be one of those
2: slugfest defensive games. Yeah, it looks like we got a couple good games and a couple shit games coming up this week, but it'll be exciting nonetheless, and that's going to wrap up Betting with the Belly.
0: All right, Betting with the Belly is done. But now... We need a Survivor League update, Belly. I'm putting you back to work. What happened this week?
2: So, yeah, it was a pretty interesting week with uh, a lot of uh, underdogs coming out on top. Shockingly, nobody had picked the 49ers over the Browns, but that was kind of an iffy matchup to begin with. Um, But for the winner's picks, we got the Chiefs, Dolphins, Rams, Bills, and Jags, and we had three lonely losers that picked the Eagles against the Jets. And there is one guy in the pool who I have to text every Sunday night saying, bro, you didn't make your pick, and he's still alive, so he's just been picking the Monday night game every week. (laughs) So this week, he's like, hopefully the Cowboys prevail. I'm like, I I don't really like either team in that one. That could go either way. And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm not picking the Chargers, though. I was like, that could have been a slick pick to get them out of the way. But, yeah, we're moving into this week, though. Corbin, who you got?
0: Well, first off, stop fucking texting that guy because I want him out. Anyways, I'm taking the Seahawks Cardinals they it's getting a little bit tougher, you know, and you know, you take some of these good teams. I've played it pretty conservative so far, but for past a halfway point, I think there's only what, how many entries left? Did you say?
2: Um, I think there's like 20 ish, maybe less 17. Yeah, I ca- like Counting on oh, 19 remain. It's right there. Yeah. 19 left.
0: Yep, it's definitely getting riskier as we go, but I think the Seahawks is a pretty safe bet. I don't like taking the interdivision rivalry matchups, but Cardinals had a little bit of uh, lightning in the bottle first couple of weeks. They started to slow down. Seahawks keep humming, and they are coming off of a loss as well against the Bengals. So I'm looking for them to bounce back. Give me the Seahawks.
2: Yeah, that was my original pick. I like it. Um, I just... I don't know. This is where I start to get a little shaky and weird with my picks every time right around week six. And then I get eliminated. Um, So I went with the Bills at the Patriots. I feel like the Patriots are just they don't know what's going on. Um, It is an interdivision matchup and the Bills are on the road. But I just feel like the Bills offense wasn't that great. Josh Allen threw a lot of picks this week, but I think he's going to be able to get back on track and uh, make it happen. So I took the Bills at the Patriots. John, you want to tell us about your pick from last week, bud? I cannot speak as I have died twice he has died twice that is true um yeah, the Eagles lost a heartbreaker to old uh I saw some stat where it was uh Zach Wilson since he saw uh Debbie, uh Debbie Kelsey or what what's what's uh Kelsey's mom's name
0: Donna ever ever since
2: he saw Donna Kelsey he can't lose games, and I just thought that was awesome. love the milk shine
0: from Zach Wilson. <laughs> That's hilarious. I was really hoping for the the bills to lose too, because that would have knocked a couple of people out and I took the bills like minus 13 and a half. So once I realized that bet was dead, I was like, all right, let's knock some of these motherfuckers out of survivor league. Come on giants.
2: Yeah. That giants game was weird as shit, but the whole week on, uh, in the grand scheme of things was pretty odd. So yeah, I was rooting for some bills to lose too, knowing I was going to pick the bills this week. So yeah. On to another week. We'll see if we survive. Back to you, Corbin.
0: All right, I'll take it and pass it over to our good guest, John, because he's got to go over some uh, fantasy survivor updates.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, On a different note, though, Austin Eckler just got punched in the fucking face during pregame. Really? By who? Yeah, someone on the Cowboys. He got rocked in the side of the head.
0: Dude, the 49ers had a good (laughs) pregame little skirmish, too. Debo comes up and checks the guy, and then Trent Williams came over and just knocks the dude on his ass, and everyone's like, nope, not fucking with him.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were all like, okay, big boys are here. Last week, uh, okay, so we're doing weeks 1 through 16. Pick a player, can only use him once. Corbin last week had Justin Fields, Alvin Kamara, Cooper Cup, and Mark Andrews for 61.02 points. Pretty good week, except for Justin Fields. Ben had Josh Allen, Tony Pollard, Cooper Cup, and Mark Andrews. We still need to see what Tony Pollard does, but he's already got 52 points, so pretty good week from Ben. Uh, I forgot to mention, Corbin has a total of 447 points. Ben has 403 points. I had Justin Fields. (laughs) I fucking forgot to replace (laughs) Devon Achan. Cooper Cup, and Evan Ingram. Uh, for a total of 43 so that brings me to 397 so i'm really uh even though i've had two players this season that i have forgotten to remove because of injury i'm still in the mix pretty good he's his own worst enemy uh who you got this week corb yeah i really am
0: <laughs> i was not gonna remind you to swap him out either <laughs> This week, I am taking Jalen Hurts against the Dolphins. Actually, I just have two key games, honestly. It's the Eagles-Dolphins, and it's the 49ers-Vikings. I got Jalen Hurts and DeAndre Swift going against the Dolphins. I think they're going to want to bounce back after that first loss of the season for them. Uh, You got to put up points to beat the Dolphins, so look for a lot of offensive production. I almost did all Eagles this game, but uh, just for a little bit of a – Different, Just because I want to mix it up a little bit. I went with uh, Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle at wide receiver and tight end, taking on the Vikings, also coming off their first loss. Vikings defense stinks, and Debo might be hurt, so Ayuk should get some some looks there. Kittle put down a, three touchdowns two weeks ago, so I think that they're going to bounce back.
2: Yeah, and they threw up a goose egg this week.
0: Yep.
1: All right, Ben, who do you have this week?
2: Uh, for starters, I got Tua against Philly. Philly's defense is banged up. Hopefully, Miami can keep it humming. I also have Kenny Walker versus Arizona, a little interdivision skirmish out there. Thank you, Corbin. Um, for wide receiver, I got Keenan Allen versus the Chiefs, the PPR machine. And then we got good old Dallas Goddard versus Miami. Those are my boys.
1: All right. Well, I agree with uh, both of you on one guy. I'm going Jalen Hurts for my quarterback. I got Raheem Mostert uh, going as my running back. Hopefully, he scores another million touchdowns. I got Ben's peepee machine, Keenan pee-pee. Allen, going against Kansas City, and then uh, T.J. Hawkinson against San Francisco. None of them are currently hurt, so I think <laughs> I'm okay. And that's uh, yeah, that's this week. We'll see what's see what happens. Uh, hopefully, I'll remember if someone does get hurt. Ben, is that? rumbling in your tummy
2: Uh, i think i just shifted in my chair my fat ass made a rumbling noise
0: Uh, i definitely hear rumbling because we're going to the bowels of the belly belly catholic wedding with the views what
2: Oh yeah, you weren't there for breakfast, so uh, I flew in on Friday, stayed with my buddy, knowing full well I was going to get good and hammered on Saturday. So I thought that maybe not drinking my ass off two nights in a row would lead to a better Sunday slash Monday, which it kind of did. I was recovered probably about about noon, just a little tired. But during the wedding, um, so I'm with my buddy Tony Friday night, wake up Friday morning, I think I'm just going to slow roll it, roll right into the wedding. Uh, My good buddy Brad Glasser calls me and he's asked me if I want to go to... uh, First, watch a little brunch spot here on the east side of Michigan. Um, it's okay, it's whatever. It's a brunch spot. Um, I did have a lavender lemonade, it felt really girly tasting it, but it was delicious. And uh, everybody was putting me on blast for it. I don't think there was any alcohol in it. And then I asked for a vodka soda, and they said no, pre made. And I thought that was bullshit, and they just didn't want to give me a vodka soda at <laughs> nine in the morning. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so we went to this wedding, and I didn't know if it was a Catholic wedding or not going in and then like as soon as I arrive um, I I sit next to the groom and the father of the groom and I'm just on one I haven't seen my boys in a while I had to get a good tangent off to start my day so I'm like Jake is it a Catholic wedding and he goes yeah and I go "God damn it if I have to hear Corinthians fucking time. I'm going to lose my shit. And then I went on and on about how they take so long, and I'm a bad sitter, and I vibrate in place, and I just need to walk around. And I'm just, like, literally just saying the worst shit about Catholic weddings. And I was like, why did Ashley want a Catholic wedding? (laughs) Mr. View goes, actually, uh, I was the one who wanted the Catholic wedding. I was like... (laughs) mr view you let me go on for like eight minutes talking shit about the catholic wedding and now i just look like an asshole and turns (laughs) out the guy who wanted it and made it happen is sitting right next to me being all
0: polite and quiet
2: (laughs) so yeah looked like Uh, a little bit of a jackass but i thought it was pretty funny that
0: was funny are you catholic belly i wanted to ask you
2: uh i think (laughs) I got confirmed in the eighth Thanks. I got confirmed in the eighth grade and my mom's like, eh, we made it. We don't have to go back. Yeah. Yeah, so you are.
1: You're like it's not it's not confirmed. I've been
2: confirmed. I, oh, I guess that is what that means, huh? I'm confirmed Catholic. Not a practicing Catholic, so wait. but you are confirmed. So that's what my mom was all about. She's like, Yeah, once you get that check mark, uh, you're good to go. <laughs> I remember yep. uh, one nice. time, one time in uh, college, I had gotten, I'd already accepted a job offer, and uh, I like made the dean's list. And my mom goes, "I don't give a shit. You already got a job." So she, she's a big check mark girl, just needs me to get the job done, get the pass or incomplete. And I passed, and we were moving on.
0: <laughs> well, I asked because for me, I didn't have the luxury of going out to brunch in the morning. I woke up at eight in the morning. Wet and shaved the beard, like did everything to get ready. Had to go and drop the dogs off like 40 minutes away and then come back. So I wake up Emma, have her get ready. So she's got a good like two, three hours before we have to leave. So I come home and she's just getting out of the shower. So hasn't done shit yet. I had to go and pick up another curling iron for her at uh, Meyer. So bring it back. She takes the rest of the time getting ready to curl her hair and it doesn't work. And I had to pack her bag for like, do everything to get ready. I had, like, a coat. Like, I had to lint roll because it was in storage and everything. So she pretty much just, like, threw on, like, the dress and makeup and, like, couldn't even do her hair. So it's also pouring rain, too, and it's, like, a two-hour, 15-minute drive for us. So when we plug it in the GPS, we are getting there with, like, 15 minutes to spare. And also we hadn't had anything to eat, so I'm, like, starving. So we had to pull over at McDonald's. Traffic's backed up. After everything, we get there with like five minutes to spare, and for the Catholic weddings, they start like right there, and it was a two o'clock start time too, so they weren't messing around. Like The groomsmen and the bridesmaids were all lined up at, ready to go as I was walking in, so I sit down two pews behind Belly, see him, and I can already tell that you're a little fucked up. As soon as I walked in, just by the ways you were laughing and then they brought out the bell. Oh man, the I don't bell. Know about
2: the, bell much. the the bell was the bell was a crippler, man.
0: So That's what I thought you were going to. Uh about. that
2: was a good one. I probably should have went with that one, but we got time. Um so the, the I was giggling so hard. And I don't even think it was because I was fucked up. I just think churches are hilarious. I'm formal and everything. And it so, wasn't
0: funny at all. I I <laughs> thought it was.
2: And everybody around me thought it was hilarious, too. And they're like, I'm never sitting by you because again. Because
0: you were laughing. I asked everyone. I was like, so why w- was the belly so funny? And they're like, dude, honestly, it wasn't. Belly was just cracking up. And I was just laughing to make him feel better. <laughs> I didn't
2: need anybody on my side. I thought it was great. But when he's like, yeah, you're going to be there with this person for a day. Bling. A week, a year, (laughs) I lost it. I could not contain myself. I thought it was so funny. Look back at you. You're rocking a Macklemore mink coat. Oh, it was was a great wedding. (laughs) Catholic weddings are back.
0: A funny thing for me was I had a woman sitting behind me and she was singing and like saying every hymn, like a practice Catholic. And I'm not Catholic, so I don't know what I'm doing. But she knew like when to say "Praise be to God," and you know, like that type. And there was one song that was being sing, and she was just putting her heart and soul into it. And I just hear you go, <laughs> just like <laughs> containing your laughter. And I'm just like, oh God. Well, that's and her. Then that's her fault. I point. also see you doing that. I also see you doing like a cross on like your forehead and nose. And so that's how I suspected you were Catholic before. Cause you knew to do that. Well, that
2: was the best part too. Jack looks over at me. He's like, why is everybody itching their forehead? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, honestly, it wasn't even that bad. I thought it was going to be like an no. hour and a half. It was only like 45 minutes. No, so that I was, was happy about that.
1: Oh, no, they do it. It's, boring as shit, but they're quick.
0: No, 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 no. Sometimes they're fucking long when you
2: got like six relatives that got to go up and do a reading. One of them's at Edna who can't even walk, so you got to have six people helping her up and down. It's just, <laughs> oh, that that one was quick. That one was, they did their thing. I was fine with it. But I've been to ones that are like over an hour, and it's always in like a hot church that never got AC, so I'm sweating. Heaven forbid if I wore a gray, it looks like I'm wearing black now.
0: Ben, when you've taken communion—so, like, I I went to my first Catholic wedding earlier this summer. It was my cousin's wedding, and, like, it was the groom's side who were all Catholic, and my whole side's Christian Reformed. So it was basically half the room Catholic, half the room Christian Reformed. So when they go up to do communion, nobody on my side of the family gets up. So they get in a line down the pew, and the old priest is basically, like— talking to him, asking him the questions, and then like 50 of them would just like open up their hands and they would put the cracker in the hands. And then the other 50% just open their mouth and the priest would just put a cracker in their mouth.
2: The oh, way. yeah, they shovel.
0: Why did they put it in their mouth? That's gross.
2: I don't know, man. You got to ask the priest. being fed from the hand from of From the hand railroad. of God and himself.
0: You just put crackers in 20 people's mouths and I'm in the back of the line. No, thanks. I'll take it in the hand.
1: I, I... I actually, I believe the significance is because Christ fed and gave wine
0: like that to his disciples. It's the body of Christ. I know that, but why don't you just take it in your hand?
2: I'll tell you one thing, though. If I have a party and there's just a dude with bacon water chestnuts, and every time I walk up to him, he's just plopping (laughs) one in my mouth, that's a guy I want to be around. So another point
0: for the Catholic Church. Well, if you get a toothpick, that's one thing, but if you got... Raw dog bacon and water chestnut on your fingers, and you plop it in my mouth. And no, That's after so you slippery. put your fingers in twenty he, other people's mouths, he no.
2: doesn't need hand soap or alcohol. He's got he's got holy water, man. That's the most cleansing liquid of all. And so his hands are sanitized by the Lord.
0: Yeah, he's pure. I forgot about that.
2: I like to, you know,
1: just give a little extra lick. Little <laughs> John goes. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: Just, like, suck it off his (laughs) face.
2: Thank you, Father. Yeah, I was going to say, you're just calling him Daddy the whole
3: time. (laughs) I used to try to um, keep those little chips and uh, not have them dissolve in my mouth. I'd keep them in the roof of my mouth and then get back to my seat and try to slide it out of church in my pocket. (laughs) Are you Catholic too, Matt? (laughs)
2: Just a soggy cracker in old Maddie's pocket.
3: Um, I'm also a confirmed non-practicing Catholic.
0: There you go, Bella. All your shit talking, and we got another one in the
3: room. <laughs> well, they,
2: they won't be as mad as the alopecia community is at you, so...
0: All right, anyways, I think we gotta move on after that. Anyways. Not yet. I was also thinking about
2: Matt, just like your mom finally finds your stash of fucking holy wafers.
0: It's like, man, quit hiding them in the roof of your mom! <laughs> also, I've got an alopecia update. I had somebody else, good friend of the program, Noah, he said that he was listening to the show at his desk, and his coworker walked by right at the alopecia part, and he heard me talking about alopecia, and he's like, yeah, man, like, tell you the truth, like, I'd rather have alopecia over just being, like, bald, always smooth, and, like, slicks his head and walks away.
2: <laughs> That'll win the crowd back for you. <laughs>
1: That's pretty bold to listen to this yeah. out loud at your desk.
0: I don't. Yeah, I know. What I is, that guy, him about is that guy? Is he on Wall Street? <laughs> nah. How
1: many times you jerk off
2: it? <laughs> All right. Would you rather do the first, sec- first ninety-nine uh, percent of a blowjob, or the last one percent? Your boss is just like, "All right, what's going on here?" <laughs>
0: Well, we don't have the NSFW label, but I do have explicit, so that's on the listeners. If you play this aloud on speaker, viewer discretion is advised. All right, that was a good bowels of the belly, Ben, but let's wrap it up. What do you got for me this week?
2: Uh, Corbin, how bad do you want it? And we're going to shift over to John, because he's got a good one.
1: Would you eat human poop?
0: Okay, so how much human poop?
1: Uh, all right. Let's lay out some specifics. Okay. All right, I got um, a, I got a good
2: one. Like, have you ever... Oh, of-
1: okay.
2: All right. I, 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 got it, I got it. I got it. Shut the fuck up, Ben.
1: All right. There's a little poop buffet. We've <laughs> got one that's like... Uh, and they're all about... They're all like one spoonful. Five bites, okay? It's a flight of poop? One little... Yeah, poop <laughs> flight. One is a little rabbit turd. One is like weirdly green... One straight up diarrhea looks like soup. Oh. Uh, one. Okay. Is, do I have to keep uh, it down? Your own poop.
0: Do I have to keep it down?
2: You have to. No, don't give him any uh, loopholes, because then he's just going to argue sw- his way you have, into it.
1: You have to fully swallow every single bite.
2: <laughs> no, I can't do it.
0: All I mean, in one I sitting. I want to throw up. Just thinking. You can about puke
1: it. them up, but you could. You got to. If you puke one up, you got to fully nope. swallow the next.
0: Nope, I'll take my chances and hope they just win it on their own. Yeah, that's absolutely fucking vile, John. That is disgusting. It's not even fair. Well done, John. Even just thinking about it makes me want to throw up. Not fair!
2: (laughs) Not fair! We've been throwing the kitchen sink at you and you're like, yeah, I got the
0: fucking income to take care of ten kids. i wouldn't even be able to do it like i couldn't even swallow it just even thinking about it makes me want to vomit right now like when i was in high school i remember i looked up two girls one cup on (laughs) LimeWire. no but i watched the video and i was like oh that's not that bad and then i run upstairs to show my little brother i'm like nick i found two girls one cup like you got to check it out i remember i just started playing it and then i just started gagging i was like wow the second time around that was not so easy Absolutely not! I could not do it. No so way. So wait,
2: the first time you watched it, you were just calling cool, collected, and the second time you were gagging. Yeah.
0: Like five minutes later, and then I started gagging. The yeah. Shock effect. Second time wore around, no bueno. Yep, it did. Oh, that's disgusting. So I came to my senses. You said oh, but...
1: I was I was uh, zoned out trying to find if this was real. Did you say you watched it more than once? Oh yeah, I definitely. Well, watched it I more watched, than watched
0: it the first time, and then I ran upstairs to show my brother, and I started playing it again so he could see it. And then I stopped because I was gagging.
1: Then you were like, oh, oh, so bad. I mean, I've watched it before. At multiple first,
0: times. yeah, I was like, oh. <laughs> oh my God, how many times? I don't know. Yeah, we're going to end it there before we keep <laughs> going. I'm getting sick to my <laughs> <comic, laughs> stomach. <honestly>. You got to <laughs> cut
2: that whole last part out.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's getting uh, removed from there. Sorry, listeners. Trust me, you did not want to hear what was just You're... discussed. We're cutting that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was all bad. But anyways, thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate you tuning in for this one. If you haven't already, please follow, subscribe, like, and download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other platform you listen to us on. Don't forget to leave us a review. Give us five stars. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at LikeKorbyashi, and we also have the Belly and the Fish Twitter and Instagram accounts going. Feel free to reach out to us if you have any cool ideas for segments you'd like to hear, and please continue to spread the good word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and anyone and everyone you can think of. We really appreciate the love and support, guys.
2: Yeah, thanks for coming on, and really want to appreciate Matt, our guest, for giving some great insight, and John, take it away. Uh, just go up to one of your coworkers, look
1: them right in the eye, and say, have you listened to your belly in the fish today? I, I, I'd give work
2: on your pitch, maybe. <laughs>
0: Yeah, give it a share. How oh, about look that? angry
2: too? <laughs> yeah. More angry. Have you watched it? <laughs> I feel like I feel like, I feel like Corbin might do that at work. Corbin walks up to his boss. Did you listen to me yet?
3: <laughs> Great catching up with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks,
0: man. Appreciate it. With well, that said. Oh, yeah.